Welcome to the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Sar. We've got James Hebert here of CBS to talk about the Suns and the NBA. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, getting cooler here I mean, in Arizona. Uh, where are you, Ashley? Where are you? Is it cold there? Uh, I'm in Brooklyn. It is, it is getting colder quickly. Um, but it has been unseasonably hot for the, for the most part. Okay, what is unseasonably hot in Brooklyn? That's the question. Um, see, I, see, I'm, I, I'm not good with Fahrenheit because I spent most of my life in Canada. So I'm right now, you're making me take out my phone oh, and no, look and no, tell you. <laughs> okay, no, 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 it's fine. Right now, it is, it is 54 in New York. Um, yeah, which is not, that's not warm, but I'll take that for this time of year. And this, it, it has been hotter than this. Like, it would, the other day it was like 70, which is cool. I always say to people who aren't from Arizona, like, uh, anything under, uh, like anything under 110 is fine by us. <laughs> that is a different life. You're talking to someone who has spent most of his life in Toronto and the past couple of years in, in Brooklyn. So, uh, I can't relate to that at all. Yeah, I went to Spokane for something like a couple of weeks ago and I was like, it's not, it's cold. It's not as cold as I thought it would be, but man, I do not like it. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about the Suns. You wrote an article about it. Why don't you just kind of briefly tell what it was about first and then we'll get into some of the specifics. Yeah, I, the Suns came into New York at sort of an interesting time, uh, where they were a few games into the, the Jay Triano era. And they were playing better basketball. And, like, the problem is, like, early in the season when I'm writing about whatever player or whatever team, like, I want to be careful not to overreact um, to what's going on in just a few games. I, so the Suns are playing better, and I wanted to basically, like, situate that within the story of, like, the last few years of turmoil around the team, coaching changes, trades, uh, and basically look at how the players that have been there through all of that have like dealt with that and how they're trying to move forward now. And the conclusion of the story is not like, okay, so Earl Watson is gone. Bledsoe is going to be traded and everything is fine now, but it is like, Hey, like they're playing a little better. This could be the start of something. And I think um, I, I would assume uh, that last night's, lost to the Knicks notwithstanding, Suns fans have to be pretty encouraged by what they've seen in in the past week and a half um, after probably being horrified <laughs> three games into the season. And that that's sort of like the moment that I was trying to capture here. So, you know, I, I talked to Tyson Chandler and Devin Booker and TJ Warren just about the, the changes that the team has gone through and how they've handled it. And um, I, I just, I, I kind of wanted to, um, let them speak for the team in a way because those are the guys. Basically, it's those guys and Alex Len. They're the only ones that were around uh, when when Hornacek was there. Uh, I didn't end up getting to talk to Len, but I, I thought those guys gave me some pretty good stuff, and that 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 was that's the gist of it. It was a great piece, and I definitely have everybody check it out on CBS there, um, for sure. And it was, the, I mean, I, I've watched almost. I mean, I watch almost every game every season for the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, in Arizona here, I missed, I missed, I think I missed the Lakers and the Clippers game, but I did catch the first game. I was actually recording a podcast with, uh, Scott on my NBA awards one during the game, so I didn't see it. And it, if you listen to that podcast, I was like, 
I thought, but people were tweeting at me saying, like, what happened to your guys? And I'm like, did somebody die? Did someone tear their ACL? <laughs> did, did everybody tear their ACL? And then they lose by 48. Um, so I did see that game, and then watching these games since the Jay Toronto stuff, it's night and day. Um, people are always, like, saying, I mean, I was listening to other podcasts and other things. People are saying, oh, Booker's just, he's a volume guy. Although Lowe and Zach Lowe and other people are saying once he has the talent around him, his efficiency will come back to to, to the regress to where it should be, yeah. as we know it could be. And it's starting to do that for sure. But also his defense is on an entirely another level. Like we're not talking, oh, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit better. It's like a whole different planet of his effort and what he's getting there. I, I think I heard a stat that he was the second best defensive rating on the team for now, which is. Um, or since the, maybe since the, uh, the, after the first three games. Um, and that's, that would be incredible. That would be obviously small sample size, uh, not gonna, not gonna stand. I mean, Jackson's eventually gonna be better if, if not this year, next year for sure. Len, ben, Bender's, I mean, Bender, people, if you know the whole, the timeline thing, Bender is a pet person for everybody because he, and, and it's funny, his, his numbers are not great, but, if you watch the game, he makes mm-hmm. so many impactful plays. It's crazy. Yeah, Bender's probably the guy outside of Booker who I'm most excited about on the team. And you're right. Like, the numbers don't really tell the story at all. Like, the the thing that I, I think impresses people is how young he is um, and the, the feel for the game that he has already. He, he changes so many plays defensively just because of his length, and I think he's doing a pretty good job now of being in the right place at the right time, too. And then offensively, like, when he attacks the basket now, he is doing so with, like, quite a bit of aggressiveness and assertiveness, and he's able to finish around guys and over guys because of that length. And, you know, he came in and you knew, you know, he's he's going to be able to stretch the floor. Um, no one can really block his shot because of how big he is. And he's a pretty good passer, too. So I, I don't I don't know if you're looking at a guy that will necessarily be, like, a star but I think at the very least, he has all the traits of a high-level role player and a guy that can be counted on on a winning team. Like, I think he, even now, at a young age, like, plays like a winning player. That, that's kind of the biggest compliment I can give him and why I'm so excited about him is, like, he's just super smart. And he he is able to, like, get deflections on, on defense. And he, he rarely um, does kind of boneheaded things on offense. And one of, one of the things that bothered me about last year's Suns um, was that I didn't feel like they were cohesive at all. Um, it, it got a little... Eh, you could maybe say it got a little better at the end of the year um, when the young guys were just going crazy, but but I don't even know about that. Like, it, To me, Bender is a guy that, that does play team basketball, and as they're trying to sort of figure out their identity over the next few years that they're going to need to get to a place um, where they're more than the sum of their parts and the players are actually making the other guys around them better. And I, and I, and I look at Bender and I think he's somebody that can do that like right away. I mean, since the Jay Toronto era started five games ago, I believe like they're definitely more than some of their parts. You see it like yes. they're way too young. They're like, th- like if they get rid of Bledsoe and Chandler, like they're going to have nobody Above the age of twenty-five. Well, still have Dudley, except for, except for Dudley, but he's not really playing. So yeah, he's not playing because he and he's he's the best veteran that could be here because he he's the one who got Gian, Giannis um, in Milwaukee to start um, and other people. And he just he really is the perfect veteran for sure. But man, they're going to be yeah. they're so young. I think it was against uh, either the poor the first game of the season, of course. 
Um, obviously, but it wasn't just a score. It was the fact that it was men playing against boys. Like everybody was just like being pushed around. It was crazy. And that's still some of the case, but there's a tenacity there that was not there before. Um, effort. <laughs> what you, effort for sure. But also it's, it's, it's smartness. Like, um, you see, I don't know how much, how much you've seen of Alex Len, but he is like a completely different player with his simplified. I was so, I'm so happy he doesn't take the 15 footers because he fades away too much. Like I could, fi- I would fix that shot, but he, just not taking it, simplifying it for him. He's a, he's playing amazing, and then, like you were saying about Bender, that he has this like, um, he if he's on like the left, if you're looking at the basket, look, the like the left uh, elbow ish, a little bit a little mm-hmm. bit farther down, he'll 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 drive into the paint and do somewhat of a a hook shot, a running hook there that's all incredible since he's seven foot one, um, which is kind of incredible. He he's a lot more confident than he was last year, and it's just it's showing in his game, um, for sure. What do you th- what do you think of Alex Len first and Bender? Well, you already talked about Bender, but Alex Len. Yeah, Len's a bit of a different case to me. I I think I was hoping and optimistic about a breakout happening last season, and it didn't really ha- happen. And he's had sort of a strange career, like drafted really high, and then all of a sudden Tyson Chandler's in front of him, and like that's a great mentor, but it's also somebody who is taking your minutes. Um, and it's it's weird because I like you have been impressed with how he's played the last few games. And I think he is probably underrated if you were to ask people who don't watch the Suns very often. I think people just think of him as, as sort of a stiff. And, and I don't think that's the case. I think he's super skilled. Um, and, and I think he's able to be really effective around the basket. I, I, I think the, the problem for Len is just how much the league has changed in the last few years. Like if, if he was drafted even like eight years ago, Hell, even like like five or six years ago, I, I I think it's a different story just because bigs were not having to guard on the perimeter as much. They were not having to cover as much ground as they do now, and there wasn't this expectation uh, that at least four people are able to stretch the floor on defense at all times and an offense at all times, and it's better if it's all five. So. Like, I was talking to um, my editor at CBS, uh, Adi Joseph, the other day, um, and who has been, like, he, he's a Maryland guy, so he, he's, like, very familiar with Len's game. And we, we were talking about about him, and the, the guy we brought up um, was Joel Prisbilla, who had, like, a long career in the NBA and was is not thought of as, like, a star, but and, and didn't have much offensive game at all, but was like a plus minus king, like an analytical darling for a long time that just knew where to be, used his length really well, was really smart, and ha- like that, that you had a long, long career doing that and you were a valuable teammate. And it, there's, there are significant differences between the two. I, 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 I want to stress that. Um, but just in terms of like, body type and like foot speed and stuff like that, like, I, I don't know that Len, Right, like the way that he plays is ever going to be a guy that you just don't have to worry about on defense at all, and and that's not really his fault. Like he's not going to be as mobile as as some of these new age centers. But does does that mean he can't be effective in a smaller role? Like, no, it doesn't mean that. It it just means the league has changed so much um, that guys like him even now probably wouldn't be wouldn't be picked as high just a few short years later. So. 
I think what we've seen so far this year has been encouraging. I think he's he's doing the most with what he has. I I, I like you think um, if if that jumper's not going to be super consistent, then it's okay to just to just not do that. that that's fine. Um, but, but like when I'm thinking about like the long term future of the Suns, I don't know exactly where he fits in. Um, because I, I don't know how much you can, you can commit to a traditional center uh, anymore. He, he doesn't. I mean, the, he has the, I mean, he's, he's, he's getting more spry. He didn't used to be a spry. He was, uh, had all these little nagging injuries, like nothing big, but he would like hurt his finger, then he hurt his like nose, and he hurt his like ankle. Yeah. They're never big things, but he just lost a lot of that development time. And now he's like pretty much built and he can he can withstand and he plays good defense. He stays high. He doesn't really go for ball fakes as much. But his feet, foot speed isn't as good. And I think he's a restricted, unrestricted free agent this next offseason. So he's yes. gonna, someone's going to pay him probably because... Someone's going to pay him, but I don't know that somebody's going to pay him huge. You know, oh, like it's not going to be huge. Yeah. Like, I think you're probably looking at a solid backup on most good teams now. And honestly, probably not a guy that's going to close a lot of games. Because if you look at, like, the playoffs the past couple of years, like, teams are almost universally. There are exceptions. Like, the Spurs are an exception. But even they can be, like, forced to change their style sometimes. But, like, most teams are closing small. Well, see, that's the, that's the thing. The Suns have three backup centers and no starting one. Um, I mean, Chandler shouldn't start if they, once they're good. Um, Alan Williams, like I've been saying, him and Ulyss are, are like the best backups you'll have for, a, for 10 years, but they're never mm-hmm. going to be starters. And I mean, Williams is awesome. Like his floater and his defense and his rebounding is kind of incredible. And once he comes back from injury, he should have the, I mean, he should be the backup. The goal should be to have Bender, who has way better foot speed and way better offensive game. Eventually, once he give him a couple of years to get a built there in the upper and lower body, then he can be the starting five. Yes, absolutely. And may, maybe he and Chris can be interchangeable. Even like that's that's Chris where the league is going. Five, Chris is not going to be a five. I mean, he never be five at times. I don't think he's going to be a five. I think he's going to be a four. And I think he's going to be a good four and can be small ball five at times. But I kind of don't want him as a five for heavy minutes. I don't know. I don't know why quite yet. People, a couple people have said that. And I'm like, I don't know if he's best used there, but he's starting to grow on me in terms of with, since the Triano stuff, he's gotten a lot more smarter with a lot of his shot selection, a little bit of his, his rebounding has improved, I believe, at least from the eye test. I need to look at all the numbers. Um, it seems like his rebounding has improved. Part of that was like, they played the Brooklyn Nets. I think they had 66 rebounds in that game because the Nets went super yeah. small and Chris had all the, re- I mean, he and Chandler were just eating it up. Um, so that's the interesting thing. What do you think of uh, Mike James? Oh my God! I this, this, I, I will happily talk to you about Mike James. Uh, <laughs> I I loved him like even playing summer league, um, and I thought he was an NBA caliber player like from a couple of years ago when I saw him there. And it's it's really cool to see him get this opportunity, uh, especially now now that Bledsoe has been banished and, and he's just um, really run with it. And, you know, not every night is going to be, like, a huge high-scoring night for him, but he's he's capable of that, and he's super aggressive, and I I like um, the way he pressures opposing guards on defense, too. Like, I don't know. He's a highlight machine. He plays super hard. I don't, I don't know how anyone can't like this guy. Yeah, exactly. He's the, like, he's the story you want to hear about in the NBA. Yeah. The question is, his jumper has, like, 
feels like it has a hitch in it somewhere in his legs or it's something because it's not super consistent. It's not like smooth, but it's like, it's not unreliable. And his defense, I mean, he shut down Ricky Rubio. Did you see those, those things when he's playing Ricky Rubio? He just shut him down. And I mean, obviously he can't, Ricky can't shoot amazingly, but he shut like down passing lanes and everything and just like stole the ball from him. He can, he really runs the offense. He has a poise, obviously, because he's a 27 year old. "Quote unquote yeah. rookie from I think Lamar. He's not a real rookie. Like he's technically a rookie, but the guy has been playing professional basketball for yeah for so in long. Europe in years. I mean, he's twenty seven. Yeah. He's yeah. been playing forever. And the poise that really helps there is that he can get a shot. Like he has those high uh, um, layups off the glass when he can. He does mm-hmm. just go across the lane there. But he doesn't have to shoot because Booker can really facilitate more. And, uh, cause he, he's, I mean, Booker's, we can talk about Booker in a second, but, um, Mike James is really able to facilitate. He plays the defense. He pushes the ball. He, he rebounds. I think he rebounds. I mean, I can see him rebounding. He's strong. I mean, he, he just, what do you want for a team like this at this time? Yeah, I think, and especially they're trying, they're trying to play fast. And like, he's a guy that will push the ball. He's a guy that can finish strong on the break. I, I dig it. I think like he, I, Booker's like obviously like he's Booker's sort of one A one B and one C of this team like he is the guy that <laughs> that really matters like he is the guy that people care about he is their best player by a significant margin um, but but beyond him I think the the two stories that stick out to me with this team are the improvement and and sort of promise that you see from Bender and then this Mike James story I think that's that's an easy guy to root for in this situation and. I doubt he had any idea that he'd be getting the minutes that he's getting now. Yeah, yeah right. I, I like. He's got a two-way it, contract. Like he's not even supposed to be like on the roster. Yeah. Like he's supposed to spend like sixty days or whatever with the team. Yeah, the they're gonna have to convert league. that one. Like he's playing bit, too well to be a two-way which, guy. Which means, which means Derek Jones Jr. probably won't make the team, or they'll have to do something with him. Yeah, or you don't know, but you don't know what'll happen in a Bledsoe trade, right? Like a, a roster spot could open up. Yeah. Well, that actually, we'll get to the Bledsoe thing in a second, but that, that were good transitions there because Warren is the other person I want to talk about. He had that head injury against, uh, he suffered against, I think he hit, he hit Cantor, I think, and they both hit heads in that, yeah. uh, New York game. And he had a head injury last year that was out for weeks. But the question is, he, I mean, he had 40 points just the other day. Yep. With like, with like one made, one made three pointer in that game. He yeah. He has a hitch. He's getting there. He can make him now. He didn't used to be able to make him at all. Now he can make him occasionally, but still not like ideal. But if you watch that game, I don't think I saw like a single uh, one of his shots be out of rhythm in the uh, offense. Like he wasn't even, he was like putting things back, cut his cutting. I've always said this. His cutting is like second only to Wade that I've seen in the last several many years. Like it's amazing. He's such a smooth player. Like, that was, like, the smoothest 40 I've seen in a long time. He's so smart. He's so crafty with a ball. And his footwork is great. And it's, like, I'm sort of, like, the most, like, people who write about basketball on the Internet, like, very much in love with the the, the way the game has changed over the past few years. Um, like, I love the volume of three-point shooters that are being shot. I love the style of the game. And traditionally, you tell me you have, like, a six eight guy who takes a ton of mid range shots um, is not like a lockdown defender necessarily, and isn't like a great passer or anything. And I'm I'm thinking like eh, I'll pass, but like Warren is the exception because he he is so smooth. Like 
it's almost like like Jabari Parker, if he was like healthy and we saw it for a long period of time, um, I think can be sort of a similar like from a similar mold in terms of just how skilled he is and how easily he can grade his own shot. Um Warren isn't as athletic as him, but he makes up for it. He is so crafty. He is he is just really, really good. Um and he scores a ton, but it's not in a way that takes a team out of his off out of their offense. He's not a guy that will just pound the ball and he's not like a huge ball stopper. Um I I really like the way his game has developed over the past few years. The the forty point game obviously stands out, but I think just in general there's like a maturity about him and and the way he approaches things um that that is really impressive. And I think he's made some strides uh, on defense over the past few years too. He he just gets out of position immediately. It's like it's crazy. Like you all have to do is a hesitation or a jab step and he's like out of position to me. Yeah, I mean he's still he he was I, I I would say he's gone from like awful to like below average. Yeah. Probably. And he's he's I mean, he might get to average throughout his career, but he's not gonna be a plus defender. But he's he's on the team to score. Like that that's that's what his job is. I mean he's a super sixth man, but I'm actually from his his thing here and then Jackson's obviously another story, but I'm okay with him being in the starting lineup instead of Jackson. I was thinking Jackson would be there to be alongside Booker, but with Booker's improved defense, Mike James' defense, Chris's mm-hmm. defense, it's okay. And the funny thing is, though, when you saw Warren go out for that game, like, if Booker or Warren goes down, like, they have, like, no... No, that, that totally changed the game against the Knicks. Yeah, they, they could have won that game if Warren wasn't in there, and Porzingis wasn't crazy. Like, oh my yeah. goodness sakes. Did you... I mean, everybody, I'm telling everybody listening should go look at YouTube this thing. Porzingis goes down, someone put up a layup, he jumps almost over the person and swats it back towards his side of the court, mm-hmm. runs down and gets a dunk at seven foot three. As uh, my friend yeah. Tommy, Tommy Beer, yeah, he always is talking about seven three. He's seven three. It's crazy. And so they would have won that. They could have won that game. It's definitely possible. I mean, they just beat the Wizards. Um, which is a good game because you didn't think that they could uh, before this Jay Triano era and last several years. You didn't didn't have any. If they were up big, you you were almost sure they were going to get rid of it unless something unless someone was on fire or yeah. if they were down big. You just had no thought they could win. I think they came back from twenty two against the Wizards. They even came back against the Knicks. They couldn't sustain it, but they made it a game and then they fell back down again. And I, I was I was impressed they at least had some fight. Booker, Chris, I mean, almost everyone was in foul trouble in that game, especially Booker and Chris, which was... Yeah, I mean, Chris was picking up some dumb fouls in that game, and that's kind of, that's some an area where he has to grow a lot, I think. He has grown, but he is, he definitely has to get a lot better, because he is going to, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, So what do you think about this Bledsoe? I mean, we're not going to, we, I want to talk about culture and this cultural change in a second, but first let's talk about specific on Bledsoe, potential trades. Now, for, for Suns people, for me, I'm like holding that hope of a Malcolm Brogdon trade. I man, if we if it was for Malcolm Brogdon and whatever, I almost don't care anymore. Because but also McDonough <laughs> has been able to do significantly better than you think. I mean that Marquise Morris, he got a first rounder for Marquise Morris after months of Yeah, he just waited and waited and waited and waited and then found a team that desperately needed him. So um, what do you think they can get for him? It's tough. Because I, I look at 
all these, like, I mean, Matt Moore on CBS had an article, like, 10 Eric Bledsoe trades the Suns should consider. I've seen them on other websites. I've seen them on Suns blogs. Like, there's a lot of speculation that is happening. And I, when I look at them, I'm usually not in love with a lot of the trades that 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 seem realistic for Phoenix. I, I think that Bledsoe is at once, like, I think better than a lot of people think. He had a career year last year. Um, I think when he is super motivated to play defense, he can be one of the better point guard defenders in the league. I do think if he lands in a good situation as a result of this, um, he could just have an absolutely amazing year and just come out wanting to show everybody how good he is. Um, I mean, he's probably the top three defender on point guards. Like, what is it, him, Conley, and Beverly, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, I put Chris Paul up there and some other, but like, but, but yeah. Um, Especially if you're thinking just purely in terms of one-on-one defense rather than team defense. I mean, he is so quick and strong and long and athletic. Like, he, he can just, I mean, I remember, like, when he came into the league for the Clippers, like, that, that, that was his whole thing. Like, he didn't, he was asked to do nothing on offense and he was just he out he there pressuring shoot. people. Yeah, he couldn't shoot at all when he came in. And he now, obviously, he can. He's, yeah. Um, so I think he is at once, like, better than some people think and then at the same time like I just I don't know how much trade value he has because it the Suns like presumably have been looking into trading him for a long time banishing him away from the team does not help your leverage and then when you look around the league and you start to try to come up with things that make sense and you look at the like the Venn diagram of teams that really are looking for an upgrade at point guard and also we're looking to win now because I don't think like you trade and in his prime or approaching his prime Eric Bledsoe Bledsoe to a team that is just tanking the next few years like you can easily say like oh Chicago would like totally need a guy like that they're terrible they don't really have like a reliable point guard but I don't I don't know why Chicago would want to get into this situation with him like Bledsoe Bledsoe is tired of of losing already right yeah like Atlanta, like, Bledsoe is a much better player than Dennis Schroeder, but Schroeder is younger, and I don't think Atlanta really could be bothered making that up. I mean, they, gave, they, got, rid of, yeah, they got rid of Teague so that he could be the point yeah, guard. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like, as you look at Milwaukee, that is everybody's favorite destination for him, I think, if the Bucks. I Denver. Yeah, I mean, the, we should talk about both of those. Um the the Bucks one, like there will be pressure for them to to do something. I think if they struggle a bit more and Giannis keeps putting up this, these crazy numbers and the narrative is like, well, he needs more help. Then like, sure, Bledsoe would represent more help. But like, it it's it's funny to me because I look at Brogdon and the role that he plays on that team and how reliable he is, how steady he is when he comes to running the offense, how well he fits next to Giannis. Like that's the biggest thing to me. Like, if I was Milwaukee, I would not want to give up Brogdon in that trade at all. Like, I would just, I, I would pretty much just say we're, we're not doing that. Um, so maybe it's possible. I think, yeah, a guy like that would be a, he's honestly like he'd pretty much fit anywhere because he can defend three positions. He's equally comfortable with the ball in his hands or not. Um, he can shoot. And he's just so smart and crafty. And, like, he's not your typical rookie of the year. 
guy won it last year. If he was in this year's class, he would have absolutely no shot. But he, but he's an awesome role player. And yeah, he he's old for a guy that's in his second year, but in the grand scheme of things, is still pretty young and will get better. Like I'm with you. If the Suns could possibly get him, that would be fantastic. I'm just not sure how realistic that is. I'm not sure. I don't think anyone, frankly, knows what Milwaukee's front office is going to do now. I mean, it, it is a new front office. John Horst, the GM now, was in the front office under John Hammond before, but it, it's it's a completely new setup now, and he's the yeah, that was a he's the one in charge. That was yeah, it was very strange. Um, the Denver one intrigues me because Moody is the guy that you assume would be coming back. No, and, please, no, no. And well, I'm so down okay. Oh my gosh, Are you got drafted. The thing is, like, he has not lived up to the expectations that he had coming in at all. But you still, like, when I saw him come in and play against the Nets and uh, he was making his threes, shooting them confidently, and he's shooting, like, 40-something percent early this year, which you can take that with a grain of salt. It's very early. But but I, I do think, like, that is at least encouraging. And if you're not going to get a bona fide, like, a high-level role player like like Brogdon, then like, cause you're, cause you're, you're straight up, like, you know, you're not trading Bledsoe for like a star. Like that, that's, yeah, that's, right, that's not happening. So getting a guy like Moody is at least interesting because the upside is there and you look at his athleticism, his strength, like his vision, like it's weird with him because I remember writing about him in his rookie season and he was turning the ball over like crazy, but historically like, like what like analytics people will say is that a high turnover rate in your rookie season is actually encouraging um because those players usually have a higher chance of turning into stars they're trying to make lots of plays and and turning it over so it's actually not such a bad thing the problem was that he kept turning the ball over after that um but i think he has always had great vision he just hasn't always been the best decision maker and his shot has been pretty much broken and i think he's making progress with his shot uh, the decision making that there are still some issues, but I think, um, he could be a guy. And there are a lot of point guards like this. Like, I mean, like, you can go down the list of so like Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Chauncey Billups. Like, there, there are dudes that come in and they, who they are in their fifth and sixth year is like, does not resemble who they were in Jason their second Kidd. third year at all. Um, I mean, when it came to Jason Kidd's shot, yeah. Um, but, I'm not saying you're wrong to be down on Moutier. I'm just saying if if they were to do the Farid and Moutier package that has been rumored forever, um, then I'd at least be interested in seeing what a fresh start does for him. For uh, sure. I, I doubt this would happen, but I'm curious what you think about any kind of Jamal Murray or Gary Harris. Is there no way that they get either of those guys? I, I mean, after they, they signed Harris to that long extension, I, I don't see that. Yeah. Um, I would love Jamal Murray's Murray. Murray's a though. tough one. Murray, Murray's a tough. I really like Murray. Um, I, I think Denver still, as an organization, is is higher, on, like significantly higher on him than Moody at this point. So I, I think it's unlikely. Um, but what's is better than all of them? No, like, yeah. Um, the, the thing about Murray, like he, like you look at his shooting, and he started the season like like two for twenty one from deep. Like he is still streaky. He is still figuring things out on the NBA level, and his I think isn't broken. This is not no. broken. It's a good shot. No, 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 not not broken at all. I think he will be a really good shooter in the NBA. Like I, I 
if he maxes out, I could see him as a sort of CJ McCollum esque combo guard. Um, but but the thing about Murray is like he just like to me if they're gonna go ahead with this plan where they're running most of their offense through their bigs like with Millsap and with Jokic, like Murray just makes so much sense. Like I think he's such a good fit there that I wouldn't that I wouldn't want to move him. Um, Bledsoe is the more proven and better player, and if just like really wants to make sure that it makes the playoffs this year in in a really tough conference, then maybe. They'd be willing to explore something like that, uh, but I, st- I still wouldn't bet on them giving up on Murray this this early. I don't think so. I mean, maybe not giving up, but they want to just pull the trigger. But what do you think about any kind of – if you're not getting from Milwaukee, if you're not getting Brogdon, what about, like, Jabari and, and McCurr? Both of them or one of them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I don't see, I don't think you're I don't value I don't value Thon high enough, so I'm, I was thinking together, but now – but I've, from what I've heard, I doubt – I think it's one of them. Yeah, um, Jabari is really interesting because, like, how do you how do you place a value on somebody that has had two knee injuries as serious as that? Son's training staff is so good that he could be healthy here. Yeah, and I think you saw some progress with the three point shot last year before he got hurt again. Um, there's still like I don't I think he. <laughs> We we already compared him to to TJ Warren a little bit, and I think one area the comparison really works is on defense because I think Parker has like shown very little aptitude in terms of understanding team defensive concepts. Like he's long and he's physical, but I just I think he's rarely like the feel for the game that he has on offense isn't there on the other end for him, and I think that's just probably because he grew up and he was always a guy that got buckets and he could do it so easily. Um, so okay. comparing him and Wiggins from when they were drafted one two is really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially because Wiggins had the reputation as a lockdown defender and hasn't quite lived up to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you could get Parker for Bledsoe, I think that's that's one of those things where you're you're assuming a lot of risk because of his health. But the upside is is like is real there. And he, I feel like he's 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 bigger than Warren. I thought right. He's really big and strong. Like he's physically posting and athletic as hell. Like he needs one step and like he is jumping over you. So there's uh, the question: if they don't give up Brogdon, maybe Parker is something they give up, and that would be um, potential. What do you think? Let's um move on. Well, let's do Devin Booker. Oh no, there's two more things about the Suns. Then we'll get to a couple other things around the league. Sure. Um, first, Devin Booker. Um, what do you? I've been asking everybody about this seventy point game. What do you think about that? What do you think about him as a player? <laughs> It's like in three acts now. What do you think? Yeah, I think the conversation around Booker has been interesting and kind of confusing at the same time because I think there's a, a sort of reaction to the the positivity of like people who want to tell everybody to calm down and say like and just point to his flaws and point to his relative inefficiency at least in his first couple of seasons. Though I don't think you can say much about that now. Um, and I think there is an element of like NBA intelligentsia that like really wants to see a player prove it before they're anointed. And I'm not really one of those people. Like I just look at how like how freaking young he is and how skilled he is already. Um, I was shocked just seeing what he could do in his rookie season with the ball in his hands because he wasn't really a playmaker at Kentucky at all because Cal didn't let him be. Yeah, we were talking about that. He just did not, like, he maybe, like, pick and roll, like, was, like, ten of them. 
<laughs> yeah, like, like almost never. So his career, like from my perspective, based on like what I was expecting coming in, it's just been like a series of like, holy crap, he can, he's so much better than I thought. Oh my God, look at what he's doing now. Like I've just been like nothing but impressed with him. I mean, now doing that draft, do you think he's the third best before, I mean, Towns, Porzingis? Uh, I'm forgetting some of them now. I've done that a um, times. It's just interesting because that was a huge draft. It was loaded, and now it's like he was 13th. Maybe he's third best. Good draft. Um, but he, he would definitely be much higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about guys like, well, you got Willie Cauley Stein. Like Devin Booker's surely ahead of him. He's he's ahead of Moutier. He's ahead. Of, like Hazonia has not worked out. Miles Turner would probably be pretty high. Um, he was like 11th, I think. Yeah, I think if he... you're, yeah, if you're gonna redraft it, he would be pretty high. Like, I mean, you can look at like lower down, like guys like Larry Nance and Norman Powell. I'm looking at the draft right now, like Billy Hernan Gomez and Josh Richardson. All these guys that went super late, like, would probably be lottery picks now. Um, but yeah, I would say easily top four, maybe top. Yeah, three. yeah. I mean, him and Russell was a debate when he was in L.A. And maybe it still is, but I mean, and Russell has played pretty damn well for Brooklyn. I think that's still a debate. But like I saw a seventeen seven seven line, and then Booker puts up like thirty four, right? Five five with good efficiency and like decent de- decent defense. So it's like, um, did you hear about that whole thing about um, uh, Donovan Mitchell versus Booker? What there was a like a some sort of controversy? Oh, there's a poll. So someone was it was a jazz guy. He's he's awesome, but it was just a poll, and someone was it was it was. Uh, it's fine. It doesn't matter uh, if you hadn't heard of it. It's not it's a big deal. No, I mean it. Everybody should be really excited about Donovan Mitchell, but I, he's not on Devin Booker's level yet. Like, yeah, that, it was it, really yeah, exactly. Um, so what do you think of this seventy point game? Like, was it four? I mean, it's obviously forced, but some people have gone like that was horrible, or oh. it's still stinking impressive. I mean, I was I I was defending the Suns around that because they got a lot of crap for um, the way that they celebrated it and like the quotes from Earl Watson how defensive he was and like the pictures on Instagram and all this stuff and I was just like, look, like the players didn't decide to tank the season. The front office did. They know they're playing out the string. They know they're overmatched most nights. They know they're not really playing for anything. They just had like one like weird like out of body experience from their like 20 year old future franchise player like they're going to enjoy that they had so little to get excited about at the end of that season um if you're a super traditionalist and you're upset at the way that they were like deliberately like trying to get him the ball and just going for numbers like I can understand that to a certain extent, but like how many of those people were like actually watching the game? Like yeah, and that was only the last like four minutes of the game, maybe. And he was already at like sixty by that time. Yeah. People were like just deciding to get mad about because they wanted to yell about something or like wanted to get on their high horse. Like I think you regardless of like what you thought about Devin Booker's all around game last year, if you're gonna get 70 points in an NBA game like that that says something about your talent that says something about your scoring ability <laughs> like to me it 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 was really impressive even if 
it's not it's not like the same as Kobe's eighty one, where like he's dragging a team back that was losing earlier in the game. Like it it, it wasn't it wasn't that, but that's that's okay. Not not every not everything can be that. Exactly. So now, now his his leadership is kind of crazy. He's like he's doing um off the backboard transition blocks. He mm-hmm. uh um he's strong. He's he's passing the ball. He's I mean, he's not necessarily a rebounder because he's always shooting it. Like how is he supposed to rebound? Um, <laughs> but like he's kind of coming to his own. Some have said that in a couple of years he could be the league uh um league uh highest scorer. Uh, point, points per game, and I think that's possible. I mean, he's at what twenty-two this year. He's at twenty-two last year. I mean, and then once he, I mean, I think he's going to keep increasing. He's at thirty-two, thirty-four points, and it's not—he's not even trying. He's not even on fire. Like him on fire is like forty, no matter what. Yeah, and then or higher. I mean, he was—he's only. I mean, with the number of shots and usage he takes, of course, he's going to get the numbers, but. It's kind of crazy. Now the, yeah, I love that he's more efficient this year. Like, he didn't just come out totally gunning. And, I mean, he's still, like, he can get shots up and he can release them really quickly and he will take some, like, you know, mid-range shots off the dribble that, like, are considered bad shots in today's NBA but aren't bad shots for him. But I don't think he's forcing a ton. I, I don't think he's just going out to get his numbers. He's been more efficient this year. He's been a much better defender this year. I think... If you're identifying areas for growth, that's like, okay, we want to see him become a great passer. Like, we want to see him use the attention that he attracts on offense and become a guy that is manipulating the defense to make them move where he wants and then setting other people up and doing that consistently, doing that all the time. 